Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hi, welcome to Talking Sense, a podcast with me, Dr. Marta. I'm a clinical psychologist who works with children and families, and every week I answer one of your real-life questions. Before we begin, i like to give you a moment to pause, to think of something or do a little mindful behaviour that's going to set you up for the conversation today. And what I'd like you to think about is one moment that has sparked you joy. Can you recall what that moment was this week? What were you doing? Who else was there? who noticed your joy. Just have a think and remember. And when you're ready, let's begin. This week we have a question on what spoils our children and what can we do about it? It's something I get asked a lot, so let's have a listen. Hi, Dr. Marta. This is Melanie from the Netherlands. I had a question um, about spoiling kids and when you spoil them. I've read somewhere that if you help them do something that they already know how to do, that uh, they will feel entitled in the end when you keep doing it. Um, But also, on the other hand, my daughter is four and she's struggling a little bit with going to preschool, big transition. She had a baby brother a year ago. So these are all kind of big things. And I've also read that when these things happen, they sort of go back a little bit, that they want more help with stuff, um, um, which would be um, just finding more connection with you, I guess. Um, So my question is, uh, where do you draw the line? Um, I'm struggling a bit with that. Um, So for instance, she will want me to help her go to to the toilet, help her get dressed, uh, help her uh, eat. She wants me to feed her. Should I let her keep doing that? Should I keep helping her with stuff she already knows well how to do? Um, Really keen on finding out what you think. Bye. Okay, first things first. How many of you have got concerned or worried that you might be doing something that's going to spoil your child? To me, this is such a common question. I have so many parents really worried about this. And often it is about things similar to this question. It's about showing care or nurturing to our children or supporting them with skills that we think they've already mastered or a really common one for me, giving them too much love or holding the baby too much or making a rod for your own back because you help your child fall asleep or you spend lots of time playing with them. I really wanna send a very clear, loud message about this. Your child is not a fruit. They are not going to get spoiled by receiving your love, your hugs, your pampering, your cuddles, your affection or meeting their care needs. 
It's never, ever, ever going to spoil a child. It is never, ever, ever going to make a child entitled over anything. It is simply going to give them love, nurture and care, which is what little ones need. So I really want that message to be so clear before I go into what is entitlement, the things that might lead children to become entitled, because there are children who are entitled. But that is not from a place of love and affection and meeting their care needs. Or, like in this example, helping them with skills that they already know, but they're saying, I can't do it. So the things we're going to talk about today, I'm going to talk a little bit about entitlement and this word of spoiling, which I really dislike. We're going to talk a little bit about what happens when children are saying, I can't do something. But what you know is they have the skill. So what is that about? And thirdly, what happens in a regression? So that's my term. But things like big changes and transitions that make our children take a step back from things that they previously could do and suddenly they're showing up in a way that says, I can't do this anymore. I need you to pick me up or dress me or even spoon feed me because I've somehow lost this skill. What is that about and what should we do as parents? So are you ready? Buckle up. Let's go. Let's talk about entitlement and spoilt children. So firstly, I really don't like the term spoilt. It's so derogatory. And I think it's derogatory towards children, but also towards parents. Like you've spoiled a child. Like that's a really bad thing. And I think for me, it's really important that we separate meeting our child's needs from this idea of spoiling them. You know, somehow bruising them or making them rotten in some way. We can't, as I said before, spoil our children with love or nurturing or care. The things that might spoil children are things like always getting what they want. And it's often about objects. So when I talk about children wanting things, I'm not talking about needs. I'm talking about objects, toys, you know, getting the latest gadget or having the ice cream, okay? All those things are wants. They're not essential needs for a child. And when we offer children limited boundaries or structure, or we find it very difficult to be the authority who says no, because we might struggle to tolerate our child's cries, then we can end up with children who are a little bit entitled. And what I mean by that is children learn quite quickly if adults around them are scared of their tears. And they learn quite quickly that if they shout loud enough or cry big enough, they're going to get that thing that they really want because one of the adults will give in. That is the kind of thing that creates entitlement. But just remember, it is not about essential needs, which are love, affection, feeding, caring, all those kind of things, they're needs. When a child is asking for a need, they're not going to become entitled if you meet them. They're going to have their distress met with support and hopefully empathy and warmth, and that's going to shrink this anxiety in their body, in their nervous system, and allow them to keep going. So when you think about entitlement, I want you to think about boundaries, limits, rules. Do you have these in your home? 
particularly around things like your child's wishes for toys or their wishes to have something that somebody else has. So for example, when it comes to sharing, if your child cries because they really want this other toy that another child has, are you able to sit with their disappointment? Or do you try the best you can to get the other child to share with your child because it's not fair, because they should be sharing, because your child is crying? When we do that, we are feeding into this narrative of entitlement. If I cry loud enough, I get what I want. And if that's not something you want to build in your child, which I very much agree is not a great thing, we need to, as adults, tolerate our children's distress, tolerate their disappointment, learn that we don't need to fix these emotions, but we can just sit with them through it so that they can learn that yes, sometimes things are unfair and sometimes their friend has something that they're not going to get and that is okay. Now, I'm not setting this up as you should never give your child what they want ever. Of course not. There is a balance to be had. But if we're going to talk about entitlement and spoiling our children, let's be really, really clear that the things that lead to entitlement, that make adults become people who say, what I want, I get, and if not, I get angry, are things like this. The lack of emotional regulation when we are disappointed, the lack of emotional capacity to have patience, to understand delayed gratification. But these things are not the same as the things that this lovely parent in the question has asked about, which are about helping them with skills that they already know. And I know that in the question it says she's read somewhere or heard somewhere that if we help our children with skills they already have, then they become entitled. And I have a real issue with this because it is simply not true. There is no evidence that if your child is, for example, able to get dressed and then one morning they wake up and they say, I can't, mommy, I can't get dressed, help me. And you help your child, you're making your child entitled. Like absolutely no way. That's not what's happening here. And the reason is when children have learned a skill, and we need to hold in mind that this little one in this question is four, but to me this is the same, whether your child is eight or 15 or 25, or even you as an adult. When you know how to do something and there's a day where what comes out of your mouth or your child's mouth is, I can't, I just can't do that today. It doesn't mean you don't have the skill to do it. It means in this moment in time, there is an emotional barrier to doing it. And with little ones, particularly in the early years, so anytime up to the age of six, and as I said, beyond as well, but particularly little ones in the early years, their capacity to tolerate emotions and to tolerate change or big transitions is very, very small. That's to do with both their brain development. Change has a big impact on little ones because it messes up their routine, it changes their daily rhythm, and they find it really hard to adjust. So I often say to adults, think about the first time you started a new job. My guess is you got the job because you have the skills. But here you are in your first week at work doing something you're probably already very good at. How do those first few days, even that first week, how does that feel? 
Are you more tired than usual? Are you unable, like you might normally be, to just cook a big meal or to even go out with friends because you're just feeling extra tired? And do you know why? The reason is when we do a new job, even though we have the skills, we are learning everything from scratch. We are meeting new people. So we're socializing and our brain has to focus harder to socialize and build up these skills with these new people. You're also getting to know a new office or a new place of work, which means your brain has to adjust to recognizing certain features, doors, corridors, where's the toilet, where's your desk? All those things your brain has to register in a way that is really conscious and very, very focused. This is not the same as when you've been in the same office for 10 years. You know everybody, you know where everything is. Your brain just switches off. You kind of go into automatic mode. When you start a new job, you feel more tired because your brain has been working harder. So it's no surprise if what happens is that you need to spend more time resting. Now, imagine a little one. They've just started school and they've got a new sibling. These are massive changes to a child's rhythm and massive stresses too. Their brain is adjusting to a classroom full of children, a teacher who tells them what to do. They're learning the rules of the classroom. They're learning about the playground. They're learning about socializing. So much to learn, same as you would in an office setting, except for kids, little ones. This is a first. This isn't the third or fourth job they have. This is their first few days at school, few months at school. This is their first change of this type. It is incredibly draining for their brains and for their bodies because it's their bodies who receive all this visual, auditory, sensory stimulation. And they often feel really depleted after a few hours at preschool. Of course, on top of that, with this question, there's also a new baby. That's going to change the rhythm of your home. The baby needs you and your toddler, early years child is still in need of you. But what they can see is that the baby might get more attention for good reasons, okay? When you have a newborn, when you have a little baby, they're gonna get more of you because their needs are greater, okay? However, in the early years, toddlers, their needs are massive too. It's just that they're slightly different. So a baby's needs are about feeding and cleaning and nurturing and holding, but a toddler's needs start to become emotional. They're about, I'm struggling. They're about, I found school really hard today. They're about, I don't know how to tell you that nobody played with me today. They're about, they've made me look at a book or hold a pencil and I found that really hard and other kids could do it and I couldn't do it. But I don't know how to tell you that because I'm still only four. So instead, what do they do? They show this, they communicate this with their behavior. And the way that children communicate in their behavior can either be through irritability, trouble sleeping, lacking in appetite or just wanting snacks. And suddenly when you say no to a snack, they break down. When you push them for bedtime, they break down. They get closer and closer to a meltdown because their capacity has shrunk. 
their capacity to tolerate waiting, their capacity to tolerate the fact that you're going to say no to them has gone. It's all been spent at school. It's all been gone with the routine change and the rhythm in your family that's different. And so what they do is they seek support from you. And when little ones seek support from you in these kinds of moments, what you'll hear them say is, I can't, I can't do it. I can't get dressed or I can't even eat by myself. I just cannot lift this spoon anymore. What they're asking is not, I've lost a skill. What they're asking for is care. What they're communicating to you is, please, will you show me some care? Please, will you give me the spoon and feed me? Will you put my clothes on so I don't have to do anything? So that I know that you still love me the same as you love the baby. So that I know that you still care for me even though I'm kind of growing up now and I'm going to school and I'm doing all these things that I'm not comfortable with. Can you help me feel comforted, soothed, loved by just showing me some care? Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This caregiving is not breeding entitlement. What it is, is tuning into your child's needs. And as a parent, when these things happen, we often call them regressions. Now, regression is quite a kind of jargony term. It's not my favorite word either, but particularly because I think when we hear the word regression, we think they've taken a step back. And often we think of regression around toileting or eating or even dressing. But what I want you to remember is, when we say the word regression, we're actually talking about children having developmental leaps forward. Regressions don't happen unless a child is moving forward in some way. And in this example, and for many children in the early years, they're making huge leaps every day, whether it's learning to draw a circle and a triangle or a square, whether it's beginning to phonetically sound out words, whether it's developing more complex friendships with children of the same age. These are massive, massive leaps in development, huge like absolutely tremendous. And I think as adults, we don't see that because we see them as tiny little shifts. 
but they are massive in the brain. And if I could only, in some magical way, show you what their brain is actually doing, I think you would be amazed. Because these leaps mean that there are certain areas in their brain that just kind of go, oh, I'm too tired. I don't think I've got the effort or the energy to be able to do that. And that's when you hear your child say, I can't. Now, another example that I often give adults just to illustrate this, because I know that when I say this, sometimes parents say, but they can. So it's really frustrating and it takes up so much of my time. How long do I have to do this? Okay, I want you to think about having a very long day at work and coming home and just being absolutely exhausted. Now, this is not a difficult one to imagine, I think, because most parents feel this probably multiple times a week. Okay, so I want you to imagine that you then open your fridge and you haven't got a lot of food there. And you think, oh, I forgot, I didn't do the shopping. Okay, there's not a lot of food. That's okay. I got some frozen pizzas. I'm gonna stick that in the oven. That's what we're gonna have. And just as you're going to your freezer to get the pizzas, imagine that your partner shows up. So you've got to imagine you have a partner for this one. Hey, I just went shopping. I got stuff for a fish pie. Can you make us a fish pie, please? I'd love one. How would you feel in that moment? Would you feel really irritated with your partner? Would you feel like, oh my God, I can't do this? Or would you instead be like, oh yeah, yeah, let me put these pizzas away. I'm exhausted. But all I wanna do right now is cook a fish pie from scratch. Or what happens if your partner comes in with a shopping bag, but instead they say something different. They say, hey, I got all the things for a fish pie because I really fancy one. Do you want to make it? Oh, oh, you look tired. You're really tired today. Okay, uh, shall we do it together? Or do you want to sit down and I'll make dinner for you tonight? I'm the one who fancies the fish pie, so I'll do it. Now, how does that sound? Okay, so two options here. Either we do it together, already probably sounds better, or two, excellent choice, I'm gonna make it for you, you put your feet up. Okay, now what is that about? What that's about is again, a partner who's attuned, who's saying, I see your tiredness, I see you are fatigued, and I really wanna eat this, so I'm gonna make it for you. When children, take a step back and they say, I can't get dressed or I can't possibly wipe my own bum on the toilet. They're asking you to do a similar thing, which is for you to say, hey, I hear you. Today, this feels really hard. I'm gonna help you. And if you're worried that this is never going to end or like in today's question, where do you draw the line? I want you to know that you are that line, okay? It is up to you to meet your child's needs or not. And for me, when a child has gone through changes, transitions, family life changes, you may want to initially just meet their need. Because when you do, it's going to soften your child. It's going to open up their capacity to tolerate things around them, which might include tolerating when you're not available, tolerating that they have to go to school, tolerating that they're now a lot older than a tiny baby, so their care and affection that you give them looks and feels a bit different. When we do this, 
it's important that we think, how long is this going to be for? And one of the things I promise you is it's never forever. I have never met 11 year olds who just say, you know what, I'm not gonna get, I'm not gonna eat or get dressed, somebody has to do it for me. That doesn't happen. When children develop and they grow, they begin to have a greater capacity to tolerate things because their brain and their bodies have grown and developed further. And if you're really worried, or this has been going on for a while, that your child is saying, you dress me, I can't do it, and you feel like it's become a habit or a pattern, and it's unhelpful in some way, think about how you can be helpful to your child, but take it one step back. So what that might look like is saying to your child, okay, I'm gonna help you get dressed. I'm gonna put your leggings on and you can put your top on, but I'm gonna be here in case you need me. So what you wanna do is start to break it down into chunks of skills. So you're gonna help them, you're still gonna be there to offer that care, that comfort, that love, which is exactly what your child is probably seeking from you in that moment. And you're gonna say to your child, I know you're capable, so I want you to do a little bit of this, but I will remain by your side. When it comes to eating, it's very similar. You might say, okay, you know how to use cutlery, but if today it feels really hard, it's okay if you just eat your food with your hands. This might be a lower step from you spoon feeding your child or using their fork and feeding them. Okay, what you're saying to your child is, if using cutlery is too much for you, fine, you can use your fingers, that's okay. If you feel that they really need you to help them with their food, it's okay to pick up a few bits on their plate on your fork and feed them. You could even turn it into a game and say, okay, but then you have to feed me some too. And the reason for that is that you're also showing your child that they can, they have a skill, but that you know that what they're doing is saying that emotionally, it's a step too great for them in that moment. And this is really, really common in the early years because children, don't have a lot of control over their lives, but the things that they have control of are usually eating, toileting, and getting dressed. So they tend to be the three things that they will communicate to you, I'm struggling, something feels hard, and this is how I'm showing you. So, I hope I've helped clarify a few things today. One, we never ever spoil our children with our love, or our affection, or our nurturing. When we meet our children's needs, we strengthen their emotional capacity. And what we do is make ourselves a reliable, safe person, which is ultimately what our children want to know. Can I rely on you? Will you help me? Even when I know I can do this, but emotionally feels really hard, will you be there for me? Can I trust that you will love and care for me just like when I was a baby, even though I am no longer that. We want to give our children a message, which is, I see you as capable and able to do things, and I'm here to help you when you struggle. This does not make children entitled. I promise it's impossible. There is zero research evidence of this. It does not make children entitled to be loved, nurtured, and cared for. What makes children entitled is having no boundaries, no limits, no rules, and having access to everything they want so as not to feel pain, displeasure, disappointment, or have a tantrum. That's the kind of thing that will make kids think, I'm not, I can't feel bad, 
And if I feel bad, somebody has to fix it for me. So just remember those two things. We need to separate the nurturing and loving that we give our child from this idea that we are spoiling or making them entitled. And we can show up with love and care whilst breaking things down into smaller steps to support their skills building while still showing them that we love them and care for them and we're okay to help them when they need us. Because at the end of the day, being a parent is not something that you do because your child is a baby or a little one or school age or whatever. We become parents when we have a child and that parenting identity is for life. We are parents forever to these little beings and you will always see your child as little whilst also recognizing that they're growing up and they're developing skills and they're maturing. And what we wanna share with our child, no matter what happens, we will be there for them. It doesn't matter whether they're babies or they're eight or they're teenagers or they're in their 20s, they can count on us. And we will be there to show them care and love and help them if we can with practical things. Because as a parent, that is sometimes our job. We teach skills and we support. And I want you to know that even if you're helping your child getting dressed or using the toilet or even spoon feeding them at an age where you're like, they've grown out of this, they're not gonna lose the skill, okay? They are not. One day, once you've met their need and they feel more settled and their capacity expands, what happens is they pick up the spoon, they eat themselves, They start to put on their leggings without you asking and they wipe their bum and they don't tell you. And that day will come without you having to push for it because it just happens. When kids settle following a transition or a change, things just start to move again, usually in a new rhythm, but one that hopefully fits for all of you. And we're coming to an end. I hope that was useful to you today. I always like to end on a little mantra to hold you for the rest of the week. And today, my mantra for you is, my relationship with my child is my first priority. If you're not a part of my community on Instagram, come and join us. It's Dr. Marta Psychologist. And if you haven't signed up to my newsletter, I warmly invite you to do so before January, where I'm going to be sharing some really exciting news that I don't think you're gonna wanna miss. You can sign up for my newsletter for free at drmartapsychologist.com. I promise not to spam you with lots of things, but what's coming in January is definitely one not to miss. I hope you'll join me again next week for another Talking Sense. Until then, see you soon. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello 
Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 